0: Well, I'm going to continue speaking in terms of of the unstoppable God. Uh, And we're going to go again some places maybe we're not familiar with. So just to briefly recap, last week we learned that God is ever-present. He loves us so much. He is for you. There's times we don't feel that may be the case because maybe the circumstances are saying something completely different, but He is for you. We learn how God is a a God who moves with us, that he's creative, he's living, and he's drawing us closer to him, having no need, and yet he desires and invites us into fellowship. It's a beautiful invitation. Now, we learn this because the reason that we've got to understand is that God is a moving God. God's not a stagnant God, he's dynamic. We learn from Genesis that he's walking in the garden, He's moving in the garden. Adam and Eve, because of the moving of God, they hid. Also because of what had to, just prior to that situation. We learn how God delivers uh, his people from Egypt and he is with them in the moving of that. As a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. A demonstration that God is saying, you're not going on your own. I'm not just going to open the gate and off you go, sort it out, work it out for yourselves. But he's saying, I'm going to be with you. God is a moving God. From the most challenging times coming out of Egypt and and then into the promised land, one of the big moves of moving six, seven million people, uh, God wanted to be there. And the thing is, we've got to learn is that it's not about us you know, God being just, just with us, that we are choosing to be with God. That's what the move of God is about. And so I pray that in the next few moments that I may help you consider some thinking, biblical thinking, in terms of what God wants to do next. Now, as much as we talk in terms of saying that God is an unstoppable God, and he is, but there are things that limit God. And we're going to start to unpack that over the next course, over the next little while in this series, because there are things that that God can do, but he has given us the authority to do. And so it, it's really annoying, you know, when you give someone a job or someone gives you a job and the next minute it's done. It's like, you didn't give me time to do it. You know I mean? You gave it to me, but you didn't give it to me. And so that can happen. Sometimes we can do that in relationships with different people. Maybe that can be in the context of church or maybe you're a manager or a business overseeing people, it's, it's really easy in leadership, in church leadership. That can happen a lot of times, and I've seen how that can cause some tension because you gave it to me, but now you did it, and so why are you giving to me, Give you know, me things and not allowing me to do them? So we're going to unpack that a little bit as well. So we talked about the new wine. So today I want to speak in terms of being pastor, as a leader, and also as friend. So I pray this morning that your hearts are open and ready to receive. I do believe that the answer to the challenges that churches are facing, even right now, but I think for hundreds of years, is because there is a call for transformation of the skin of leadership. To go back to the biblical model that our Lord and Saviour Jesus gave. See, when... You want to change something that relates to the church, both biblically, theologically, historically, and even presently, you've got to deal with the spiritual authority structures that are in place in a local church. Yes, we need prayer. Yes, we need worship in its purest forms. Yes, we need to we need evangelism, and yes, we need to go and make disciples and reach people. We need to do all those things. But if we don't address the issues and the pattern of new wine, of leadership within the church, Luke 5, then all the other change isn't going to happen. See, Jesus hasn't called us to reinvent the wheel. That was the challenge. That was his response to this new wine that he introduced, this conversation that he was speaking with his disciples. He called us to follow his plan of the new wine. And I hope today that we can be ready to think, what does this new wine mean? What is this new wine asking of me? What does does God mean? And I hope that we can all discover in that sense, it helps us to explain why we're here. Why we are here, why you are here, but why is the church, the local church and the global church here? So we're going to unpack this. And we do this by going to Ephesians chapter 4. So you're going to see this, but we're going to go to the back end of Ephesians chapter 4 because we need to start there. I know it's not going to be in order, but that's okay. It happens in Scripture. But I want to set it up for you because I think it helps to understand where we're coming from. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man or new person, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We read the verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It speaks about an understanding, speaking of spiritual fulfilment as Christians and as followers of God. So when will this occur? How will this happen? How are we renewed? And this word means to be made new Be refreshed and reformed, but it means much more than that. How are we to be renewed? In the spirit of our mind. In the spirit of our mind. That's how we are renewed. This is not just a new way of thinking. It speaks about a spiritual transaction and transition that is occurring The spirit of your mind. In the Amplified it says having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. This means it's going way beyond natural thinking. Or nice ideas or helpful hints. It is a spiritual renewal of the mind. To be renewed. And it cannot happen without the spirit of the mind. In Romans 8, 6 it says this. For to be carnally minded, fleshly, earthly thinking minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In the ASV translation, it says the mind of the spirit is life and peace. I don't know about you, but I think we all need to desire very much to have this mind, this mind being renewed by the spirit. We need that. And that is God's heart for us. And we're learning this in this chapter of unity. Both before and after these two verses, the whole chapter four is speaking of unity. And though there's differences and there's diversity, and we're all coming from different places and different spaces, that somehow there can be a unity in that place. It is a spirit led renewal of the mind. It's a mind that is controlled. We don't like that word. Most of you got here today because if you were driving, you had control of the steering wheel. And maybe we're still waiting for those who are driving here to uh, get control of that, maybe. So, So there's nothing wrong with this control, God's control. It means to be ruled and governed by the Holy Spirit. It means to allowing the Holy Spirit to infuse his divine thinking into our thinking. It is our yielding to allow transformation, a divine sense of presence, occupied thinking within the inner man. How else can we know God? How else can we ex- sense, get to experience God without a mind that is being transformed and renewed? How can we know this God in a personal, deep way? So it is a spiritual state of being. It is true that every battle, friends, you know this, is won or lost here. Romans 12, verse 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. But what do we do? We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Renewing of our mind. With the spirit of the mind, the spirit of the Lord working in this place. And in our hearts, in our minds. See, the church does not need more leaders who are fleshy thinkers or non-spiritual thinkers. It needs people of the highest spiritual caliber, people who will walk, people who have surrendered minds and hearts and are open and wanna be led by the Holy Spirit. I think we all should want that. I know I want that. So we're not meant to be worldly thinkers as Christians, that can happen at times and we can all experience that but how we we are to be renewed spiritual thinkers and there's a big difference and I love how we've gone to the end part to get that understanding and I would encourage you to read Ephesians 4 to really unpack this just read it slowly over the week a few verses each day just to get this unpacking that's happening see if we do not yield to the Holy Spirit If we do not will to change and to yield and understand there's a change that needs to happen in our thinking, then, my friends, I can promise you nothing will change. Nothing will change with us and nothing will change here. See, friends, I want to remind you, you're going to hear me say this a few times today. We serve an all-conquering king, a generous lord and an unstoppable saviour. See, God has not called the church to operate under the old covenant and the old pattern. Anybody here? There are churches today that exist that live and operate and pride themselves of operating and thinking and flowing under the old covenant. Why would you do that? Why would you do that when the new is here? It's a new and improved version. It's wonderful and it's given and ushered in through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus So he's not called us to operate under old covenants and old patterns, to be limited and hindered with unclear mission. No, he's instituted a new covenant with himself, through him. It's a new pattern, it is the new wine. The new wine of thinking, the new wine of being all that God has called the church to be and we're part of that. And that's a beautiful invitation. And not only is there new thinking, but there's a new sense of authority, power, and dominion. And some people don't accept this. They don't understand it. But Jesus said he's given us all power to trample over scorpions and serpents. In Luke 10, 19, it says, Behold, I've given unto you power, authority, mastery, capacity, and force to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. Actually, all over, all of the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by no means hurt you. I hope you believe that. It's a promise I definitely hold to. And so currently for many churches, there is the need to embrace it and accept its calling. We need to accept the full ministry mandate and stature of the fullness of Christ. We need to look at the new wine of leadership and the model that Jesus has instituted. And to do that now, we're going back to Ephesians, a little bit earlier, to verse 11. So Christ Himself gave apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. What for? To equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Verse thirteen until we all reach unity of faith in the Son, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now why? Why is that important? Well, we read why then you or we will no longer be infants tossed about back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching or by the cunning or craftiness of people into the deceitful scheming. See, remember we just talked about the being renewed in the spirit of your mind you have to read this bit but we have to read this so Paul is making great sense here and it's making a great divine sense to understand what's happening instead speaking the truth in love we will grow together in Christ okay to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is the Christ now we're going to look about the, the gifts that Jesus has given but he's given Gifts of the what? Apostle, the prophet, evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Paul didn't give them. James didn't give them. Moses didn't give them. Daniel didn't. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they didn't. Jesus gave them. And sometimes we can focus on so many other things that people give, but what did Jesus do? Because I want to know what Jesus is giving I want to know what Jesus is offering. I want that first. If we to line up and, and you can go get a signature of some people, but I want to go get the signature of someone I, I really admire and who's really cold-faced in this. Friends, we serve an all-conquering king, a generous Lord and an unstoppable saviour. So if you're ever wondering what is the church to become, what is it to look like and function like, you need to not look any further. It is spelled out here. It's, just, it's in black and white. It is in the Bible. If we believe the book of Ephesians is part of the, the totality of, of Scripture that we have, then we need to pay attention to Ephesians. We need to understand that we can learn a lot from this particular chapter when we understand what does governance look like? What should the church look like? How should it act? What does it, what does it mean to be in all this space? So Christ gave, why? Christ gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, pastors and teachers, verse 12, for to equip. It means perfecting, we'll look at that a little bit. For his people, his people. Not the pastor's people, his people. For works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. This word perfect or equip means and speaks of, and there's other different places it speaks of this, is derived from the root word which means to mend what is broken. It's like resetting bones, getting that plaster on. This is what it means. Or to even make complete what is unfinished. The Greek implies correcting all that is deficient. So we are to be equipped. Equipped. This is Jesus' idea. It's his plan. It's his model. It's not Paul's. These gifts are A person. So when we look now at these fivefold ascension gifting, which is often commonly what they're referred to as, every we have many gifts, but there are here five gifts that Jesus Himself gives, okay, that they are the gifts to the church, but themselves, even though they can exercise gifts, it means that a pastor, a prophet, an evangelist, a teacher, an evangelist are the gift. They are the gift given to the church, from Jesus, not from anyone else, but by Jesus himself. Here it is, here is the gift. Now, we shouldn't shouldn't honour these, we should give honour, but not worship these gifts, okay? They're valuable gifts because these gifts need to be given for a really good reason, and we've just been touching a little bit on that, and we'll speak more about these offices later on, not today, because I want to just set the foundation here, if we can, by just jumping ahead a little bit. I'm a pastor and I've been given certain gifts. I know what they are. Sometimes those gifts ebb and flow a little bit uh, according to where you are and what God wants to do in and through you. So there are things that I, I can do that you cannot do. But you have gifts as well. And there's things that you can do that I cannot do. And I love how that picture reminds us that we need each other. We need each other. It's so important. In this day and age, there are so many things going on around our world. We need each other. Friends, we serve an all-conquering king, a generous lord, an unstoppable saviour. So the contrary to what many people think, the church doesn't exist primarily to evangelise. It exists to build up. It exists to have gifts, these gifts released within the body of Christ, so that there is a building up of the people, and that they, as they receive their gifts, as we minister in the giftings, and as we are encouraged in those giftings through the pastor and the prophet and the evangelist and the teacher, then we are gifted. And there's a there's an exchange, a divine exchange that takes place that's not taught that caught. And in that atmosphere, we get to discover who we are and what our gifts are and why God has called me. And a new life starts to, starts to grow in us and excitement starts to grow that, that it's, not just, it's not about the fivefold doing all the work. They have got to set the things in motion in the right way that others can be encouraged. It may be a little different to what you're familiar with. And I know many of you would, would understand that and, and understand the fivefold ministry gifting, but some do not. And I can understand why people may want to think in a different space, but we'll go there anyway. See, the goal is unity of faith for a renewed, renewed mind. By and large, the body of Christ is quite disunified. We are opinionated people. We have backgrounds and different experiences that make it hard in natural terms to get along. Is that true? Okay, I'm one person, it must, must be just me feeling that. I know by your laughter you, you know that's true. Arguments, fleshy ideas and opinions are much of the downfall and cause of a church to become unspiritual. And then the people become unspiritual and it's because we have an unspiritual mind. We have not been renewed in the spirit of our mind. That's why I went back before we go forward. So I'm not concerned about how uneasy that might sound, but you and I will not mature on your, on your own and on my own. I need you to help me mature, and you need me to help you mature. That's the relationship. That's the biblical relationship that we each have. We're not to live on an island or alone. There's a movie called Me, Myself and Irene that talks about a multiple personality disorder of a policeman. But anyway, we'll move along. But what is interesting here is this. There was a movie, a series, sorry, just I think it's this year called Alone and 12 people were selected, I think it was 12 or 10, were selected, you watched it all, didn't you go, I didn't. I watched parts of it. And all these people were selected with different skills, some of them survivalists, naturalists, all sorts of different skills, and they had to go out and they had whoever survives the longest wins. And I think it went 250,000 or something. It was like a lot of money. I think it was SBS who did this, and it was filmed in Tasmania. So a lot of people really watch it. We know expats coming over and they're watching it and talking to them about it. It was really interesting. But what broke them, do you think? What broke these individuals? Some are a pilot, well-trained and disciplined from a whole heap of different skill sets. You're, gonna, you're thinking, oh, this person's going to do it, this person. But what broke them was not so much that they left their family, that was part of it, and their familiar surroundings. What broke them was being alone. That's what broke them. And that's what will break you and that's what'll break me. When we think we can go alone, it is not God's pattern. It's not God's way. And you gotta build according to the pattern. If we build according to our thinking and our human reasoning pattern, instead of having the the renewed mind and the spirit of our mind happening pattern, then we're we're gonna discover which one is the right one in the right way. So it's wonderful when we are together that there is the miracle, because we are so different. We don't see eye to eye on things, that's okay. We don't want a hundred Louis here. We don't want a hundred (laughs) whoever's. I won't pick on anyone, pick on myself. Yet we still know that there is a space of grace and maturity, of, of learning, of shared experiences that are even somewhat different. It's a place of kindness. It's a place of honesty. It's a place where it employs truth-telling atmospheres in love. Now, that's the kind of place that I want to be. And I know you do too. We don't need to crawl into our little hidey hole. We don't need to bury our heads in the sand. We can choose to grow and not be alone, but be together. And that's a wonderful model that we learn in Ephesians chapter 4. How can there be unity if you're just alone by yourself? Unless you're fighting with yourself, maybe some do. So our goal is to remember what is to goal is the goal is spiritual maturity. Until we attain, all attain, all attain the unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God to mature personhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This this is amazing. This is a beautiful passage of scripture. When we've never been clear and churches of old have never really been clear and let's not follow the way of man, let's listen and follow the way of God. I think God's way is going to win. It's going to work out at the, in the very end for sure. Even if we don't fully understand it, at least we've got to trust God is a loving God. We're just saying he is a good, good father. Surely he's going to look after us. beautiful as we read in verse i think 14 we're not going to repeat it otherwise we become near mere infants we're not growing up when something happens we 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 get smashed see the measure of the full stature of christ speaks of our means to grow and be complete in our developmental fulfillment of god's plan for us as a local people as a local assembly, as a local gathering. And this is done by the knowledge of the Son of God increasing in us and through us. Through what? a renewed mind, spirit of your mind. Allowing the Holy Spirit to have control and to, and, and to listen to his thoughts and his heart and his impressions and his promptings and to say, Oh, Holy Spirit, I want want what you want, not what Louis wants. What I want is way down there. But what you say and what you bring life to in in me, I want that. I want that. I want that. That's that's my pursuit for the rest of my life. While I'm on earth, that's my pursuit, to know, to hear. That's why we have this session today about learning how to articulate, learning how to discern, learning... If we don't know how to hear God, then what are we doing? And who are we listening to? I'm just saying. Because we're going to listen to the flesh. And I tell you, that flesh, that's got problems, friends. You want to listen to the flesh just for half an hour a day, and you're you're going to be in a heap of pain. It's not healthy. It doesn't produce anything. You can read that in Ephesians chapter 4. See, friends, we sometimes have an inferior picture of who Jesus is. And then that presents to the world an inferior gospel. But the gospel isn't inferior unless it is first inferior in our hearts. We contend for the supernatural power of the gospel, Paul said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel in Romans 1.16 for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. We either believe it or we don't. He said this before in John 14, whoever believes in me will also do the works of which uh, I did. Jesus said, you will go out and you will heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, proclaim the kingdom or gospel message, minister to the poor and marginalise, promote justice for those who are oppressed by the systems of the day. He said, even greater works than these you will do because I am going to the Father. I know this may be a little heavier this morning, but these are the challenges. The questions we're going to ask the wider body of Christ is this, where are the greater works? Jesus said, these are the works. These are the greater works. Where is the demonstrations of the Spirit and of power and of love? See, what a lot of people do in the absence of something is we create weird theologies and doctrines like cessationalism, which said that all the fivefold ministry gifts and all the gifts of the Spirit and all the signs and wonders and miracles died out in the first century, we explain them away because it fits well with our mind. But what if that's an unrenewed mind? What if we are not reading this and reading the Scriptures with a mind that says, and yielded to the Holy Spirit? I just wonder, You know what it's like? You can read something and you can just read a verse and then later on you can read it again and you go, light bulb, wow. I did that this week, thinking about some of the things that are going on in the world and I'm reading and I'm reading and then I look at Ephesians uh, chapter six and the one word hit me and God just spoke to me for our struggle. Now we think about our struggles not against flesh and blood and we talk about spiritual power, I just stopped and I thought, you know what? Life is a struggle, for our struggle. Forget about the other bit for the moment, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just said to me, you know, there, there are times where there will be a struggle, and I just received it and I said, thank you. It's a great way knowing that it's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, and just reminding ourselves of that. See, we're not called to be professional explainers of why something doesn't exist or shouldn't exist. I don't wanna spend my life trying to convince something to people who don't wanna believe. I don't wanna do that. I don't think that's my call. It's not my gift. I know that. I want want to be in a space where we all are learning together what is it God is saying to us. That's what I want. That's what I desire. See, here's, here's a thought. If you pray, Here's the thought, if you pray for the sick with faith, then I feel sorry for you. Why? I'm being cheeky here. Because then you are a believer in miracles and healings. If you pray and you have faith and you come across a prayer need and you're praying for that and you're just just speaking it out, I I don't know what that will do. But when you mix it with faith and you mix it with, and you combine it with faith, and then you're praying and you're praying on behalf, you're praying to God on behalf of someone, in that sense of interceding, friends, you believe in miracles. You believe in miracles. You believe in healings. You believe that God can and is amongst us. This is the challenge. We want to go back to align ourselves to our own understandings and human reasonings, but did God really ask us to do that? See, Jesus never said your kingdom go and and will be done on heaven as it is in heaven. Jesus said, your kingdom come, pray like this, your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is trying to get on the earth. Jesus is trying to be made manifest amongst us and yet many, much of the church is just waiting for the, rush me up, beam me up, Scotty, get me out of here. I've got my ticket. And that's not the biblical thinking. Not saying anyone's doing that here. I should think not. Churches are called to shine brighter. There should be more glory of, of God's presence, more glow and afterglow of God being amongst us. There should be power not human power, but divine essence and presence. We should be believing that as we do this, that the world will see as it becomes darker that the kingdom and the local church is shining brighter because there is something. And it shines brighter not because we're together, but we're together in Christ that makes us shine. That's a light you can't put out. And the kingdom of God will shine brighter. It'll influence the systems and structures and even spiritual authorities of this world for the glory of Jesus until he returns. Jesus said to wait and occupy. It means to actually travail, intercede, occupy. It doesn't, It's not to look for an escape route. And get out of, I wanna get out of this world, I wanna, I wanna go. No, he says, occupy, wait, do, let's work this thing together. Jesus is the leader, he is the chief shepherd, he is the head of the church, and he will make and do things that we simply cannot do. And when we see it, and when we talk about it, others will hear, and others will be inquired to hear. And that's why so many were following Jesus, because he spoke with authority. There was the manifestation of the kingdom of God, Wherever Jesus was. Yes, some did follow because they wanted to see he was healed. Maybe they need the healing. But there was just the pureness of love, as Gabe even mentioned, with that man on the cross. Friends, this is a series of The Unstoppable God, the reshaping of things to come. Jesus is the leader. He is the chief shepherd. He is the head of the church. And as I said, and he will make us into something simply we cannot make into ourselves. He is the leader. And as he appoints ministries and ministers and people. So we're going to talk about these gifts on the weeks to come of why it's so important, because it's not about the people. It's about what happens. It's the consequences that happens. Because all of you should know your gifting and calling. You should know why you are are, are breathing, why you are here. It doesn't matter how old you are. God has fresh things to say to you and reveal to you and words you can can impart into others. We need to understand that. I'm going to close with this. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The leadership gifting and gifts of the fivefold ministry I to ensure God's people are released and employed as gifted spiritual individuals and collectively together that every church where every person and every believer is would help to bring life and release of those in fellowship for their highest calling. And that sets the example of what we've been speaking about in terms of maturity and the new wine of leadership. So here's a few thoughts as I close. For that to happen, we need renewal. We need the spirit of our minds renewed. Every person without exception, that is you and that is me. We need to allow ourselves to be equipped. We need not be frightened of what God has and what He has put in the scriptures. We should not be scared and say, well I, well, I don't really know. Maybe there was somebody who had a different feel or a different sense or a different reading or a different interpretation. But you can't can't really mess with Ephesians 4 too much before it gets noticed. We need to allow ourselves to be equipped. We need to ask for more of God, for more deployment, more space and freedom for God to lead us and to be open to the Holy Spirit. We need revelation in our hearts of what Christ has given and seeks to do in and through us. We need to be people who are equipped and mobilised for ministry. Not to come and just listen to the pastor or or others maybe speak, but a church that is empowered because of the ministry gifting, of the fivefold ascension gifting is released in the church. And it releases you and upon you something because there's a God-ordained authority and commission and something happens. Now I can't tell you exactly what that is, but I, I have read If you keep reading, we need the unity of the faith. We need to see greater works than these. We need to minister in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need his presence. We need the presence of an unstoppable God. And I believe this is part of the answer. So friends, remember this. We serve, you serve an all conquering king, a generous Lord and an unstoppable savior. But you and I have to make a choice. Somewhere down the road, somewhere here, somewhere now, some moment, we all have to make a choice. Do I believe the word of God? Do I believe this bit, but not that bit? Do I interpret this bit, but oh, that's too hard. I don't know what to do with that. I'll leave that for somebody else or some other group. No. Ask God, read the scripture for you. Do we believe Jesus? I think we do. Do we accept that this is his last will and testament? I certainly do. Do I, or do you trust Jesus with your life? I do, I hope you do, and I know many of you do. Do you accept his way is greater than your way and my way? Absolutely, this is not a Louis way. Do you find completeness in Christ or in your own strengths and abilities? You have to decide and you have to choose. Do I wanna be renewed? And if so, it means you have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, will you please close your eyes and bow your head. Father, today, this is a a challenging word. We live in a time where the world needs to see the light and it shines brighter. And you see not only just the love and the kindness and the grace and the hospitality and the mercy and all those things that we wonderfully do here, but Lord, we also need to see a, a, that activeness of your presence, that abidingness of your presence, that, that is not manufactured, not ranted and raved about and chanted. It's, it's you just coming and being God amongst us and moving amongst us. So Father, I pray. Lord, help us in this, this season and, and in the seasons to come that we would be Father of the new wine. Father, that needs new wineskins to hold the new wine, the new wine of governance, the new wine of leadership, the new wine of the ascension gifting, the new wine of signs and wonders and miracles, the new wine of the kingdom that has come rather than the kingdom that was or is going. Help us, Jesus, we need you. I don't know all the answers, I don't know how to walk in this space and how this will look, but I ask that we would be humble enough and willing enough and open enough to say, God, Lead us and guide us together. It may be a little rough. It may be a little uncertain. It may be a little uncomfortable. But Lord, help us in this space. Help us to be the church you have called us to be. And then we know. And then we will declare. Not even us, but others in the world will will do that. The community will go, wow, they serve an unstoppable God. And to all your glory, We say and pray, Amen.